Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You know, as we sang, you'll always be more than enough for me. I just had a real sense in that moment what it must be like for God when he hears his kids say that. I know when, when the boys were, were young, they would say, Daddy, I love you. And, and I, I love you. And it was like, oh my gosh, there's nothing better. And with all the things that are going on in the world and the way people look at God and think about God or don't think about God, when his kids, wherever they are, will stop and just tell him how much he means to them, to us, you'll always be more than enough for me. It just blesses your father's heart. You know, that's, that's a great privilege that we have to bless the heart of our Father. Amen? Amen? Well, let's see. If there are any children still in the service and want to go over into the rainforest, they can head that way. Uh, Quest today is having a service day. They're out at the uh, Boilermaker, and we'll see a picture of the group in a second. Uh, but if you take a moment and just greet the folks around you, and then you can be seated. You know, it's always an exercise of faith when I let you take time to greet each other and find out what's going on. But uh, you can continue this at the end of the service. But uh, thank you for, for joining us today here. Thank you for joining us online. Uh, obviously, it's a little bit different that we have just one service. Pastor Gabe's running back to his seat. I don't see him run that often. Uh, uh, but, but it's because we have been blessed with a great opportunity to uh, serve God and serve people out of the Boilermaker. And you might say, well, how is that serving God? Well, Jesus said, if you give a cup of water to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And so they're giving cups of water to hundreds, if not thousands of people and praying over them and just uh, available to pray with them, uh, but serving God and serving them. And uh, we have a picture of the group, I think. There they are. And I just want to take a moment, if you would, let's just pray for them and for what's going on. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all those that are, are being served by your uh, sons and daughters. Father, wherever they go, your kingdom is at hand. So these people are running by your presence and, and your kingdom. And so, Father, we thank you for the anointing. We thank you, Father, for the power and residence of Holy Spirit in them. We thank you for the transformation and transfer of, of the things that you have for them and through them to those around them. Father, we thank you for all the opportunities to pray for the people going by. Lord, that lives would be changed for eternity, that they would uh, be one step closer to uh, coming to faith in your son, Jesus. And for those who already have, they'd be affirmed in their faith that 
that uh, you are with them and for them. And so we thank you, Father, for their willingness to be out there and serve. And uh, thank you for uh, the willingness of those that have joined us here today and those online. We praise you and bless you in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen, amen, amen. We're going to continue on. Um, I'm going to be sharing with you about uh, hope. You know, hope is such an important thing, and, and it's not the hope that we, we often refer to when we're not, you know, in church. We know that this hope that we've been teaching about and talking about is a confident expectation of, of good or of God. Uh, whatever God does, it's going to be good. And uh, that, that's because the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from him. And there's no, there's no change in him. That's who he is. That's what he does all the time. You have, don't have to wonder, is it going to be good? What God does is always good. Doesn't always look good. Doesn't always seem good. Doesn't always sound good. Doesn't always feel good in the moment. But it always ends up good. God's word says he'll work all things for good. And you can trust him. You can count on that. He is not a man that he would lie. But uh, in, in many times when we talk about hope, we're talking about a questionable outcome or an expectation. We're not sure. Uh, with God, we can always be sure. That's one of the great things and one of the things that we need in this world to be able to be sure because so many things are changing so quickly. So many things are, are uh, unstable. And we have a hard time looking ahead and seeing what's out there. And when we project out, if we project out by what we see and feel, which we sang today we weren't going to walk by, uh, but if we project out there with those things, it can be discouraging. It can be troubling. It can be uh, fear-evoking. And that's because we don't, we don't need to look at all that because there's one with us and for us that has something available to us that will stabilize us and strengthen us in the midst of all of this, and that's hope. Um, and before we get to the, the scriptures today, I just want to share a story with you um, from my experience. My grandmother uh, lived in Pittsburgh. I went to school in Ohio because I had to go there to meet my wife, and it was worth it. Uh, but went to school in Ohio. I had... Uh, played football there uh, before one of the breaks. Uh, I had gotten a concussion, and yet I wanted to be on the sideline for the game. And uh, my grandmother was good enough to come from Pittsburgh to Ohio to get me, and we drove down to Atlanta where my parents were living at the time. And as we were driving, uh, we were on a really deserted stretch of road. And as we were driving along, I was driving, and all of a sudden the check engine light came on. Now, I've shared this in times past, but I've got something else I want to share with you about this, so stay with me. Check engine light came on, and, and my dad used to call them idiot lights because it doesn't really tell you any information. It just says something's wrong, but you don't know what's wrong. And I couldn't, I, I wouldn't have been able to fix it even if I knew what was wrong. Uh, but the, the light came on, and it caused me great stress. And it moved into fear because then the car started running really rough. And this was in the middle of the night. And we were on a stretch of road that there were no lights. It wasn't like it was a big highway or anything. We're going through the back roads of, of the country. And all of a sudden, the car shuts down. And I have to tell you, that increased my stress and my fear, uh, my trouble, because I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what was ahead of me, and I hadn't been paying enough attention to know what was behind me. And so I was, I was to some degree, very panicky. Unfortunately, somebody came by and helped us. But, you know, when you're traveling down these roads that may not be familiar with, you, you are familiar with, it's really important that we look for indicators of what will tell us what's around us, what's ahead of us. You know, when you drive down the thruway, there are signs all over the place, and they, they tell us what's around us, certain sites that are, are supposedly scenic or uh, we want to stop at. Uh, there are the exits, uh, things that uh, are available to you, food and, and gas and things like that, lodging. And it's great to have those signs. Wouldn't it be great in our lives 
if, if God would put up signs in our lives all the time and we'd see things to help us know what's ahead. Now, kind of like this sign. I think we have it. I thought we had it. We do have it. Wouldn't it be great if God put up a sign like that? You know, you're driving along and all of a sudden, hope ahead. You know what's even better than a sign like that? The Lord that lives in you, the Spirit of God that lives in you that will affirm hope all the time because hope is always there. We, we began looking at a foundational scripture in Romans chapter 15, verse 13 that says this. May the God of hope, the God of what? Okay, so he is the God of hope. Real biblical hope, confident expectation of good comes from one source, and that is? <laughs> Not a trick question. God. God is the God of hope. So if you're going to get real biblical hope, you've got to go back to? God, right. So the God of hope would fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he's not just giving you hope. He is providing, it says, fill you with joy and peace. He's making available, he's furnishing joy and peace. All right. And, and those things would cause you to abound to even more hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about hope, People may not be able to say, oh, man, you're really hopeful, but they may see some things in your life that are exactly what this says. When the God of hope fills you, he'll fill you with joy and peace. Joy will strengthen you. Nehemiah, the word in Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So there's a strength that comes to our lives because of the God of hope, because we have a confident expectation in that God. There's strength. And how many of you know we need strength? We need strength for the days we're in and for what's ahead. We don't know what's ahead. God does, and he'll strengthen you for what's ahead. So you can, you can relax. You can rest in faith knowing that God is, is going with you, and he's already got all the strength, all the power that you need available to you when you encounter what you encounter because he knows it. And then peace. Peace is a security and a stability. When, when we have peace, we're, we're not rocked. We're just, okay. That's all right. It's going to work out. And there's a security and a stability. We don't get all flustered. We don't go, you know, just berserk. We have strength. We have security. We have uh, 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 stability because we have peace and joy because we have hope. And this hope that God has for you is available just like everything. Who, is, who did Jesus die for? Okay, just this group. I know, I know. I, 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 I shouldn't have done that. But yeah, for everyone, right? Now, is everyone going to experience the benefits of salvation? Why? I, I just want to compliment you on your participation this morning. You guys are doing a great job. Yeah, because they don't choose it. They either don't know it, and even if they don't know it, everywhere they look, God is displayed. So there's going to be no excuse why people didn't receive Christ as Lord. But it's because they didn't receive it. They didn't reach out for it. Was it available? Yes. When was it available? Before they were ever born. The Bible says that Christ was crucified before the foundation of the world. God made this available. And yet there are people that go to hell, and hell was never created for a human being. Hell was created for the angels that rebelled with Lucifer. But unfortunately, hell has people in it because people did not receive Christ and his forgiving work on the cross, his redeeming work on the cross. And that's where we are here to be able to help people recognize what Christ did and receive all that he has for them. But this hope, this hope is part of what is going to cause that to happen. People are going to see in you 
they may not articulate, wow, you're really hopeful, but they're going to see a joy, a strength, a peace, a security and stability in you that is unlike what they're experiencing. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, this won't be up there, we found out that Peter said, you know, you and I need to be prepared, ready all the time for people who are asking us for the reason why we have the hope that we do. How are they going to? No, we have hope because they're most likely going to see a difference in us than is in them. And, and that hope, that joy and peace, that confident expectation that causes us to be strong, secure, and stable no matter what we experience. And how many of you know in today's uh, world, we need security, stability, and strength like never before. And it's going to be even more necessary in the days ahead because things are not going to get more comfortable, more encouraging in the world that we live in. But we who are Christ can be more encouraged, more secure, more stable than ever before because we know we're in this world, but we're not of this world. That there is a greater one that lives in us and there is one that goes before us and one that is our rear guard that keeps us in all that we do and everywhere we go. And so this hope brings us security and a stability, a strength in the midst of everything that's going on. It's exactly what it says in Romans chapter, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, where it says, this hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast. That word sure means unchanging, and steadfast means immovable. Again, it's the same thing that we're hearing about hope all the way along, uh, the joy and the peace the strength and the security. This is something that God has that would be sure and steadfast in our soul. You know, when something happens, we react. And usually it's our thoughts start going, our emotions start going, and then our bodies get engaged. But before that, it's just we have this reaction. And right here, it says this hope is going to be like an anchor. It's going to keep us secure and strong and stable no matter what the circumstances are around us. Now, I don't know what you're experiencing today. I have no idea. I am not even fully aware of everything Debbie and I are experiencing. We're aware of some of it. You're aware of some of it. But there are other things going on that we are not aware of. And that's where we can have a hope even though we don't know it all. We know one who does. Not you. (laughs) All right. Only God knows it all, and God prepares us for everything. He doesn't leave us alone. He prepares us for what we're going to encounter, and it's before we ever encounter it. And so we began to look at Paul's life, the Apostle Paul's life, who uh, was went through a variety of challenges, but he called them light afflictions. We would not. He was beaten with rods. He was stoned. He was in the deep. He was imprisoned. All these things happened to him, and he said, you know, they're no big deal. That used to bother me greatly because I thought, if Paul says this is no big deal, then I'm, I'm, I'm really a wimp because I think these things that are less than that are a huge deal. But the reason why they weren't a big deal was because God was a bigger deal to Paul. How big is your God? See, you and I, we all have our perspective on how big God is. And we lay that next to how big our challenges are, our obstacles, our opposition. And there is no challenge, no obstacle, no opposition that is bigger than your God. But if we choose to diminish God and embellish our problems, we're going to have a problem. But when we see God for who he is, and it doesn't matter how big you think God is, he's bigger than that. There's no limit to how good God is, how big God is, how loving God is, how faithful God is. He is unlimited. We can't comprehend, but we can begin to enlarge our perspective of God. And, and that will help us to be hope-filled in the midst of all of these things. And as we are hope-filled, just like Paul was in the midst of the situation and circumstance he was in, 
that we find in Acts chapter 27, we began to look in this. Uh, he was in a storm. Everybody had determined they wanted to go ahead towards Rome. They, they left because circumstances and situations appeared right and favorable. And they got out a little ways into the ocean and all of a sudden a hurricane came upon them. They didn't have AccuWeather. Okay, they didn't have all the things. They got out there, and the way they did it was they looked around. They, they took stock. They, they asked their, their neighbors, what, what's, what's it like out there? You've come in. What's it like out there? Oh, it's great. It's calm breeze. And they get out there, and it changes rapidly. How many of you know things change rapidly? How many of you know that it may take you by surprise? How many of you know it will never take God by surprise? That's why we can't rely on us or everybody else, but we can rely on God. We can have a confident expectation in God. We can have hope in God all the time. And the Apostle Paul did. In the midst of this storm, we, we, we're not going to go through it all, but we're going to look at a couple of verses in verse 20 and, and 22. We're going to see what was happening. It got so bad, the storm got so bad that it says they didn't see the stars or the sun for many days. So if they didn't see the stars or the sun for many days, what was the environment like? Cloudy, Cloudy rainy. If you've ever been in a really intense storm, you see it coming, it's dark. And all of a sudden the darkness just kind of covers you. And, and they were in the dark. Now, when you're in the dark, it's real easy to get scared. When I was on that dark road and there was no one else around and, and the car stopped, I want you to know fear began to grip me. I didn't know which direction to go. I didn't know what to do. I just wanted to make sure the car wasn't on fire. But there was fear that was coming at me and trying to get in me, and it was getting in me at that time because I didn't know where I could turn. I didn't know what direction to go. I didn't, it was dark, and I was in the midst of the darkness. There's darkness in this world. The Bible says darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people. That's why people are acting the way they are. We can't fault them. They don't know Christ. They have no, no alternative. They're going to embrace fear and they're going to be driven by fear and by, by selfishness and all these other things. But these people, they didn't see the sun and the stars for many days. The, the very, this very bad storm kept beating against them and they lost all hope of being saved. So this is what's going on with the general population on the ship. They finally get to the place where they lose all hope. But what was their hope in? circumstances, situations, what they could understand, what they could see, what they could, could receive from others. It was all circumstantial. And so they lost confidence in all those things. And then Paul says in verse 22, but now I want you to take hope. Now I want you to take hope. Why? Because they had lost hope in all the things they had put their hope in. The Bible says hope misplaced makes the heart sick. They, they had become desperate. They had become disillusioned because this was dangerous. Because they had trusted, they put their hope, their trust in all these other things and realized it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen the way we expected. And so Paul said, now, now I want you to take hope, but not in the stuff you've had. I want you to have a confident expectation in God because that's what I have. That's why I'm in the same situation, but I'm not acting the same way as you. That's the biggest witness that we can be in the world that we live in, that we are experiencing the same circumstances and situations and sometimes even more intense, and yet we don't freak out the way everybody else does. We don't panic. We don't get crazy. We don't get angry. We, don't get, we have a peace, a stability, and a security. We have a joy, a strength. We have a hope, a confident expectation of good. Even though we can't see good anywhere, we know good's going to happen because we know God's going to happen. 
if we let him. Or we can take the matter into our own hands and try and do what we can do, which is limited. We can't be assured what we do apart from God's direction is going to produce the good that God can. And so Paul says, okay, now I want you to take hope. And we began to look at this and see what, what is it that caused Paul to have this confidence in the midst of this hurricane that is destroying the ship they're, they're in, that is driving the ship, they have no idea where, that could last for who knows how long. But Paul, Paul's not worked up like everybody else. And there are four anchors and we, begun, we began to look at the first two, but these four anchors, these, this confident expectation that, that Paul had kept him secure, kept him stable, kept him strong in the midst of things that would just absolutely undermine anyone else that didn't have hope in God. And so we began to look at this, and, and we're going to start back in in verse 23 of Acts 27. Now I'm going to read this all because we have it in the... Uh, the voice translation, and this is what it says. And he says to them, the God I belong to, the God I worship, sent a heavenly messenger to me this night. He said, do not be afraid. And we've talked about this. God doesn't want you afraid. The moment fear comes at you, you've got to be aware. That's not what God wants in you. There's a difference between it coming at you versus being in you. We can't stop fear coming at us, but we can certainly choose not to let fear get in us, all right? Because there's a greater one in us, and we don't have to fear. But he says again, don't be afraid. Paul, I'm not finished with you yet. You're going to stand before the emperor. You can be certain that God has granted safety to you and to all your companions. So listen, men, you must not give up hope. Keep up your courage. I have faith in God that things will turn out exactly as I was told last night. So right here, we began to look at this and we began to see anchors, at least two anchors already. This, this hope that we have that keeps us strong, secure, and stable in the midst of all sorts of things that would work against that. But we are hope-filled. He, he said... Uh, the God I belong to, the God I worship, sent a messenger to me this night. The first anchor is, is hope or a confidence in the presence of God. This God sent this angel. God was with him and wanted him to know and manifest this angel to him who began to encourage him. Now, I, I want you to know I've never seen an angel outside of my wife. Got to get them when you can. <laughs> I may undo that by the end of this, but who knows. Uh, but, but I've never seen an angel. But God wanted Paul to be assured that he was with him and knew what was going on and sent this messenger to him with a message for him. Now, God has messages for every one of us. I don't know how many of us will ever see angels, but he's already given us all the message that we need to keep us strong and secure, keep us filled with hope, hope-filled. But, but this was the presence of God, being affirmed to him. God knew where he was. God knew what was going on. God knew what he needed, and God had sent an angel. So we talked about this. God's presence is with you as a child of God. Now, God's presence is everywhere, but not everyone gets the benefit of the presence of God around them and with them. The Bible says even if we make our bed in hell, God is there. Well, how can it be hell if God's there? Because people don't recognize God being there. It's always hell when we don't recognize that God's with us because it causes us to turn back to ourselves and rely on us, and, and that is always fear-evoking because we are limited. Our abilities, our resources, our intelligence, our experience, all of it's limited. But with God, it's unlimited. And so the first anchor is confidence in the presence of God being with us. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He said, my father and I are going to come and make our home in you. That's because when we receive Christ as our Lord, there is a connection with God that's eternal. God is with you. God is for you. 
And, and you have to become confident in that. You have to know what the Scripture says. And I shared Scriptures with you two weeks ago about the presence of God. But there, there are so many Scriptures about the presence of God. And we see God with people throughout the Bible that didn't know He was there, but He was. There are times you're not going to be aware that He's there, but does that mean He's not there? No, he's there, and we have to choose to determine, yes, I know, God, you're here. I don't sense you. I don't see you. I don't feel you, but you're there. Just knowing that you're not alone, that's going to bring hope. That's going to give a confident expectation. God's there, and he cares, and he can do far more than you and I can do. The second anchor is where he says, the God I belong to and the God I worship. This is about relationship. Paul had a confidence in his relationship with God and God's relationship with him. And we, we looked into scriptures last week to see that, that this is all about who you are to God and who God is to you. And most all of us struggle with knowing and holding on to the truth of who we are to God. The Bible tells us we're his beloved children. The Bible indicates to us that we are priceless to God. Now, he doesn't base any of this on what we do or what we don't do. His love for us is unconditional. His value for us, how he sees us, how he loves us, how he values us does not change because what God gave in exchange for us was his son. And that never changes. God values us as equal to Jesus. That's who we are to him. We are priceless. And who is he to us? Well, it depends on who you know him as. Who do you know him as? Well, he's God. You know what? That's like saying, well, he's man. She's woman. He's God. Well, do you know him? Do you really know who he is? Do you know what he's like? Do you know how he loves? Do you know? Do you, do you... The Bible tells us that he is our heavenly father. We call him Abba, Daddy. That he's a good father. He doesn't change. He never becomes a bad father, but he's always a good father. And those two things build our confidence in relationship that who we are to God and who God is to us gives us a hope no matter what we face, what we encounter. And today we're going to look at the third anchor of four anchors that we're going to look at. Next week we'll look at the final anchor. But, but the third anchor, it, it says this in verse 24, do not be afraid, Paul. I'm not finished with you yet. You're going to stand before the emperor. You can be certain that God has granted safety to you and all your companions. So listen, you must not give up hope. Keep up your courage. I have what? Faith where? In God that things will turn out exactly as I was told last night. So this next anchor, this third anchor, is, is a hope and a confident expectation in the plans and promises or word of God. God has plans for you. God has promises for you. The Bible says all of the promises of God are yes and amen. What does amen mean? Anybody know? So be it. Yes and so be it. God is looking for us to learn what he's promised, what his word says, so we can come to him and bring his word to him and say, Daddy, would you do what you said? Because he is watching his eyes are going to and fro across all the earth looking for those that he can show himself strong on their behalf. How can he show himself strong on somebody's behalf? They take the word. That word will strengthen you and your confidence in him of who he is and what he'll do. We're only unsure because we don't know who he is. We don't know what he'll do. That's what the enemy works on us. 
against our relationship, against our confidence in God. Isn't it what he did in the garden with Adam and Eve? He questioned God. Really, did God say that? God's afraid of you being like him. Questioning to cause us to be unsure. But we need to be sure and confident of his plan and his promise. Jeremiah 29, 11. He's got a plan. Who has a plan? God. It's not just a momentary aha. Hey, you know what? I, I'm going to do this for Pastor Gabe. No, he's got a plan for Pastor Gabe. He's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for everyone, but not everyone is going to experience this plan. This is what it says in the New Living Translation. For I know the plans I have for you, for each one of us, says the Lord. They're plans for their plans for? Their plans for? Okay. So it doesn't say some good, some bad. Right? Don't read into there what isn't there. And don't leave out what is there. Plans for good and not for, just to make it completely clear, not for what? Disaster. Good, not disaster. Disaster comes to your life. Do you blame God? Right answer. But what, what, what does the enemy work us over in? Yeah, he brings lies. And truth sets us free. So lies incarcerate us. It limits us. It robs from us. And so God says there are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future. And uh, what if it said, I have plans for some good, some bad, to give you a future? Well, that makes our future pretty unsure, right? Isn't that the way a lot of us look at our future right now? We're not sure about what the future holds. That's why we get a little anxious when we can't control what's going on. Okay. He says, I, I have plans for good and not for disaster to give you, you a future and a hope, a confident expectation of good, a future that you can be confident of good in. Now, don't, don't misunderstand what that's saying. It's not saying that everything you experience is going to be fun. Everything that you experience is going to be pleasant. Everything you experience is going to be easy. That everything you encounter is, is going to be a walk in the park. But you can be confident of this. Whatever you experience, the plan of God has not changed. It is still for good. You can look confidently in the future because of what God's going to bring you into. God brought Israel into the desert. Is that not true? Brought Israel into the desert. What happens to people that go into the desert unprepared? They die. Now, Israel didn't have a lot of time to prepare. It was very quick. God said, all right, we're going. Let them into the desert. It's not like they had all these supplies, all this food and all this water and all, Right? And they get out there, and all of a sudden they realize we don't have enough to exist in the desert. And God's saying, that's right. That's right. But God, why would you bring us out here to die? Isn't that what they said to him? Because they're looking at their circumstances. They're looking at themselves. They're looking at their resources and their ability and their supplies and what's happening. They're freaking out, right? They're panicking. They're overwhelmed by fear, just like all of us become. And God said, whoa, 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 whoa. I brought you out here. I can take care of you. And then he provides manna for them every morning. And, and they're so impressed by this, they call it manna. 
Do you know what the word manna means? What is it? And, and he gives them specific guidance in how to gather it. And then they get upset because they've just got manna. And so he provides meat for them. And then they get thirsty and God says, okay, no problem. Yeah, it's, it is a problem. God, look, there are no, there's no source of water out here. And God says, right over there. Look at that. Look at that what? That rock. Oh, yeah, that's right. We always get water from a rock. And all of a sudden, he directs Moses to go over and strike the rock. And the rock flows water enough for, get this, enough for thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Israelites to have as much water as they want. And any of the animals that are with them. Plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. A confidence in what's ahead. God's plan for you, if he's bringing you out into the wilderness, understand he's going to take care of you. Where God guides, God provides. He wouldn't be good if he didn't do it. But we, we need to be confident in God. We need to know who he is. We need to know what does the Bible say about his plans? Well, there, there are a number of scriptures that tell us about his plans, but Jeremiah, or I'm sorry, Jeremiah 1 verse 12, in two different translations, the New Living Translation, it says this. And the Lord said, that's right. And it means that I am watching and I will certainly carry out all my plans. Do you know that God is never aware? It's not like God all of a sudden turns to Jesus the right side of his throne and says, oh my gosh, did you see where, where Mark Nashton went? I, I didn't keep my eye on him. <laughs> he's a slippery guy. He just gets out there. We don't know where he is. We don't know what he's doing. We got to find him. Come on, angels, go find Mark. His eye is always on you. There is never a moment there is never a second that God isn't aware of where you are, what's going on, and what's available to you. That's why God doesn't freak out. I remember we were in a, a store one time, and this is going to, it was on me, uh, with the boys. And, and, you know, Brandon stayed usually fairly close. Blaine was the one that was just like, <laughs> and, and I'm, I turned to Brandon and I said, where's your brother? I don't know, which I thought, well, it's not that big a store. But after looking for a little while, I was like, oh, I can't find, I can't find Blaine. I don't know where he is. That is terrifying. But God never gets terrified over any of us, where we are or what we encounter, because he's right there with us. He's know what, he knows what's going on. He's, he knows what is opposing us what obstacles we're, we're facing, and he has a provision for it. The plans he has for you are for good, not for evil, with a future and a hope, a confident expectation. You may not know how it's going to work out. And that's going to happen most of the time in our lives as Christians. We're not going to know the how, but we don't need to. We know the who. And the who trumps the how. And the who is Jesus. The Holy Spirit, our good Father, who's always there. And so he said, I will certainly carry out all my plans. Isn't it, isn't it neat that God would set us up today? Did you recognize God setting you up through Dave? Now keep every promise I make. God's telling you, listen, I'm not like anybody else you know. I know there are people that promised you they would do all this and, and they failed. God doesn't fail. And the next translation we read, this same verse, it says, and then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am alert and active, watching over my word to perform it. His promises. He watches over. That's why the eyes of the Lord are searching throughout all the earth to find someone he can show himself strong on their behalf because 
Where the strength comes from is him, his word, his plan. And he's, he's alert and active. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be different if we had to wake God up before we talked to him? Or try and find him? God, where'd you go? Well, he's right there. He, he, he's not left you. It's so good we don't have to do what they used to do under the old covenant. They had to go to where the presence of God was. God said, I'm not messing with that anymore. I am going to go with you. Wherever you go, I'm there. There's nothing that can separate you from me who is love, my love. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to do all these other things to get to God. God's right there. Now, God wants you to get together with other believers. And it's important that we do this. And I'm so grateful we can do this at this time where we, you know, a year ago, we weren't able to do some of this stuff. And it's just been life-giving, at least to me, to be able to be around people again. And, and I'm just so grateful for that. But he, we need to have a confidence in his plans that are good with a future and a hope for us. We need to have confidence in his promises, his words. Uh, Romans 15, verse 14 says this. The scripture gives us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Have you noticed that when you pray and, and you bring God's word to him and you're standing on the word, it doesn't happen like that? Yeah, it doesn't, it happens in God's time and God's way. The Bible says through faith and patience, you and I inherit the promises. Patience is a part of this because the Bible says without patience, it's impossible to please God. Our patience pleases him. Our faith and our patience. But it says the scriptures give us hope and encouragement. Give us hope and encouragement, a confident expectation of good of God and encouragement and why, why are we not encouraged? Why are we not hope-filled? Possibly we don't know much of what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that we have these great and precious, exceedingly great and precious promises that cause us be, to be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in this world. These are, these are things that transform our lives, that energize our, our lives, that impart to our lives what God has for us to have, to be what he has for us to be and do what he has for us to do. And it's so important. This is why whenever we go to read and study and to memorize and to meditate on the word of God, there are all sorts of other things that come up that want to distract us from this because the enemy knows how damaging it is to him and how um, beneficial it is to us. And we of all nations have so many conveniences, so much available to us that should afford us the opportunity to have time to spend in God's word. And we're going to answer for what we used our time for. And I say that not to, to make you cringe or feel bad. I, I'm not trying to put guilt on anybody. I'm just trying to help us wake up and say, hey, Am I doing, and I, I, am, I am guilty of this too. Am I using my time? He wants you to enjoy your days. But part of enjoying your days is being confident in the days you live in that you're not without him, that he's right there. And you know that he has promises for you that will empower and impart and enable you to be overwhelmingly more than a conqueror. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, this was in the word for you today a little while back. In the Passion Translation, it says, so also will be the word that I speak. It does not return to me unfulfilled. My word performs my purposes and fulfills the mission I send it out to accomplish. And you may say, well, I don't know what he's speaking now. I want you to understand one of the, the powerful privileges we have as Christians we can speak God's word. God's given you a right as his child. 
to speak his word in faith. Speak his word because he watches over his word to perform it. Because his word will accomplish that which it's sent forth to accomplish. There's power in the word of God. Everything seen and unseen was created by the word going forth. And God has for you to speak in faith, me to speak in faith, a confident expectation. When we speak, it's done. His word. His word. Because he watches over it to perform it. There's a mission his word has. And you have been endowed with the right as a child of God to speak his word in faith. In Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, in the ERV translation, the easy-to-read version, it says, God is not a man that he will, he will not lie. God is not a human being. His decisions will not change. If he says he'll do something, then he will do it. If he makes a promise, then he will do what he promises. Now, this is straightforward. But it's very hard for us to embrace and to believe because of all the people and all the experiences we had, the people have told us something and promised us something and haven't done it. But God is not like men. God is faithful. God can't lie because when he speaks something or when his word promises something, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. It's not going to fall short. Matthew 24, verse 35, in the Passion Translation, says this, the earth and the sky will wear out and fade away. Now, think about that. The earth and the sky will wear out and fade away. Have you ever thought that that's going to happen? Well, maybe you have. But it seems pretty established. But we know as Christians that God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. But it says the earth and the sky will wear out and fade away before one word I speak loses its power or fails to accomplish its purpose. This is the power of God's word. This is why the enemy doesn't care if you and I pray or you and I speak whatever we want to speak as long as it's not according to God's word. Don't pray his word. Pray the problem. And that's what a lot of Christians do. They pray what the problem is, what, the, what they're struggling with what they're feeling. God, God knows what we're feeling. And we can get it off our chest. But we better pray something that is going to have some sort of impact and effect. And that's the word of God. And, and this, this word, it's, it's... We've been given the name of Jesus to use and his word, his promise, promises to use that will empower us to be able to see God's will come to pass in our lives and through our lives. You know, when, when we're praying for other people, and we do this all the time, what we do is we pray the word of God over them because God watches over his word to perform it. God's word will not return void. It, it, it's one thing to pray, oh God, um, you know, help them through this. There's not a lot of confident expectation because we don't really... But when we pray the word of God, you know, when Jesus was attacked by the enemy in the wilderness, tempted, how did he combat him? Yeah, it is written. He quoted the scriptures. Now, did you notice he didn't say, well, you know, chapter this and verse this? Because it hadn't come to pass yet and it's something that man did for us to be able to locate things but God didn't put that in there for that purpose there's not even the punctuation the way we read it but God wanted us to have this his word his promises his plan his provision for us to be able to be in this world and overcome in this world no matter what we encounter his word won't fail his word won't fail. Now, it's not, this is not vending machine Christianity. And when I say this, this is what I mean. We take the word of God, 
like a coin. We put it out there for God. We hear a drop in, and then we make our selection. And it comes right out to us. No. We, with faith and patience, inherit these promises. We've got to stand believing. And, and we can if we're confident. And what, what does that do in our life? When, we're, when we have this, have this anchor of confidence in God's plan and God's promises because we know them. We're not questioning, well, you know, I'm not sure. I know God's plan. God's plan for me is for good, not for evil. This is evil. This is not from God. With a future and hope. God's plan for me is that I would prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. How does my soul prosper? Well, that hope is sure as an anchor, sure and steadfast to my soul. That hope is focused on who God is, that God's with me, that, that God is for me, he loves me, and he is my God. There's nothing too difficult for him. He is my, my loving father. And now he's given me these great and precious promises. And so how does that affect me? I align my life with his word. I don't just speak things out and then do anything I want to do. I, by faith, and, and faith without works corresponding actions is dead. That's what James says in three different places. And so what does this look like in our lives? Well, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it says this. I think. Do we have it? Okay. It says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them will be like him who is a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, Jesus is saying, here's these sayings. Hear his words. Hear what he's promised. Hear what he has planned. Here's what he has provided. Here's these words and does them will be like a man who... Build his house on the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house. Doesn't it sound a lot like what was happening with Paul in the, in the sea? Violent storm. A lot of shaking, a lot of turmoil, a lot of trouble. And, and you're going to have that in the world. Jesus said that it's going to happen. In this world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Realize whatever you face today, Jesus has already faced it and he's defeated it. And the only way you and I are going to walk in the victory of that is to walk with him. To hold fast our faith in him. Winds blew and beat upon the house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. The word of God is, is likened to a rock. When we do the word, we're founded on the rock. In verse 26, it says, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. How great was its fall. The foolish man was only foolish. He knew what the word said, but he didn't act on it. When we act on it, we believe it. We, by faith, align ourselves, our lives, our actions, our attitudes, our choices with God's word. And we stay aligned. And, and we're going to make it through every storm we encounter. It's going to be an anchor. It's going to keep you strong and secure and stable when we have this confidence in God's plan and God's promises. But it takes digging it out. If I told you today that we have a little bit of land over here, just beyond the parking lot. But if I told you today, in that land were millions of dollars worth of gold. But it's buried very deep. You're going to have to move dirt to get it. Would you consider going out to get it? Just a question. Because that's what the Word of God is like. There are these priceless promises 
provisions and plans that God has for us. But you got to go through the Word. You know, uh, people start reading the Bible, and on these Bible reading programs that they just choose, they, they get into the portions of Scripture where it's all the, and this one begot this one, and begot this one, and begot this one, and it's like... <gasps> But it's important when you start to read and understand what the Bible, you understand why these people were who they were and why they were mentioned and where the lineage goes and came from and what happened. But don't start there. You start in the Gospel of John. You, you, you go into Ephesians and Philippians and Galatians and you begin to pull out these, these promises, these provisions, this priceless treasure that is given to you, this inheritance to you as a child of God, that you can stand on, that you can live by, that you can be confident in no matter what you encounter and be rock solid in a world that's coming apart. You see, God has these anchors. A confidence in his presence with us as his children. He'll never leave us or forsake us. A confidence in our relationship who we are to him. We're his beloved, priceless children and who he is to us. He is our Abba, good father. Wants to do good things for us. And we have this anchor of confidence in his plans and promises for us that never change. Everything else will change, but God's word and God's plans will never change because they're good they're good. Amen. I like every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, when we talk about these, these anchors, this confident expectation of good, that God is right there with us and, and he lives in us. That's only true when we come to that place of giving our lives to him so he can come and give himself fully and completely to us and in us and through us. And today, if you, you are struggling maybe with being unsure of God, the way to start out to be sure of God is to have a relationship with him, to turn to him and, and trust in him. Receive the Holy Spirit to dwell in you as you receive forgiveness and cleansing from all sin, which Jesus paid the price for on the cross. But acknowledging that we have all gone the wrong way and turning to him and trusting in him. If you have never done that, I want to pray with you today. We're all going to pray together. So whether you're at home or whether you're here, let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus who came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay the price for my sin. Today, Lord Jesus, I repent. I turn to you and trust in you to cleanse me from all my sin and to make me a new creation. Thank you, Lord, for being Lord of my life. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that here for the first time, please let somebody know before you leave. You may say, well, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm shy. Well, I want you to know. We all are challenged at times with being shy, but don't be shy. This is something to celebrate. That's why we clap. But right now in heaven, there's a huge party going on, and they're celebrating what, what was done today in the lives of people who turned to and trusted in Christ, whether you're here or whether you're at home. But if you're here, let somebody know. They'll celebrate with you. If you're at home, let us know. Uh, go to the website, reslifeny.org, and let us know that you prayed. Go down to where the prayer requests are. Scroll down. Let us know that you prayed. We're going to be praying for you. If you want us to pray for you by name, uh, give us your name. If you want to be contacted, give us some contact information.
God has for you and me to be witnesses in this world. That means that if we're going to witness to something, we need to be a little bit different than those that we're witnessing to or it wouldn't make any sense. And unfortunately today, so many Christians are becoming so much like the people of the world. And we have to rise up and be the light and the salt that God has for us. Have a confidence. Have a security. Have a stability. Have a strength that is supernatural. The people will look and see, why, why this? And be able to give them the reason for our hope. Amen? Would you stand? Uh, before we dismiss, I just want to mention that uh, for you to keep Michelle Nashton and her family in your prayers, her dad went on to be with the Lord, and, and all is good for him as is for any of our loved ones that go on to be with the Lord, but it's always a struggle for us that are left behind, so please be praying for them. Um, I see Jeremy and Elena back. Thank you for the picture we showed everybody. We prayed for you guys. Everything go well? Awesome. What do you think, Elena? Oh, awesome. Very good. Well, you have a week ahead of you. Guess who's already in it? God. And he's got a plan for you. But it's not the only plan for your life. The enemy has a plan for you. It's to destroy and to steal and to rob you of the very things that God has. But God's plan is greater and it's better. And we just have to choose his plan. Amen. I just want to pray for you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for your presence with each one of us, whether they're here today or, or uh, they're online. Lord, wherever we go, you're there. You live in us. You'll not forsake us. You're a good Father. You do great things. You have great plans and you have great promises for, for us to be able to overcome in this world. We thank you for the presence of your Spirit. We thank you for the plan that is for good and not for evil with a future and a hope. Your promises that you watch over to perform, that they won't return void. And Father, as we go forth this week, we know you go ahead of us, prepare the way. That you're our rear guard. That you uphold us with your right hand of righteousness, of blessing. That you cover us with, with your songs of life and of joy and of love and of victory, of hope. Father, that we would be people that would be in this world, not of this world, that we would truly be a witness and bear witness of who you are. That, Father, people would be drawn as we lift up Christ in our life, they'd be drawn to you. And we thank you, Father. We thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing and all that you will do. And we give you the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name.